Hey guys, this is Drew with the Every Arkansan Podcast. We're so excited because this week we've got Louise Allison. Louise is with PATH. She's all about helping hurt people, not hurt people, but help people. Her story is one that really touched my life years ago, and I know her story and what they're doing is going to really bless your life. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Louise. We're so glad you're here, and uh, we're excited to learn more about you. So, where are you from? How did how how did you start this journey? Well, um, I'm originally from Dallas, and um, uh, shortly after I moved to Arkansas, um, uh, I just started uh, feeling that the Lord was calling me to do something different, but I wasn't sure exactly what that was. I've been in nursing administration for over 35 years, and I love nursing, and I just felt like I was always going to be a nurse. But I saw in church other people that were called out for ministry, and I thought, why don't you know? Why don't you pick me? Why can't I do give my life uh, to something that really makes a difference? Not that nursing doesn't make a difference, but I wanted to do something more than that. And um, and that's when uh, the Lord was nudging me into leaving my career and stepping out into the nonprofit world of. Uh, working with women that are coming out of a life of sexual abuse and sex trafficking. How, how did that kind of evolve? I mean, 35 years in the nursing profession, you see probably more than most people want to ever see. Mm. But what kind of, as you were doing that, just burdened you, so to speak? As a nurse on the floor, we saw a lot of different types of patients come in. But one of the things that was a little bit of a turnoff to most nursing to most nurses is that um, when someone came in beat up, raped, um, sometimes they looked like a hooker or a teenager who was giving birth to a kid. And people have a tendency out of our flawed humanness to just pass judgment. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to take care of the prostitute or the kid who got into trouble. And uh, my heart was broken for them because... um, I didn't want them to be shunned or pushed away. I wanted them to be loved more, I think, than just the appendectomy. And uh, so my heart was already moving towards that um, that population. And then over the years, I worked in and out of adolescent, child and adolescent psych, and I saw a lot of the sexual trauma and the eating disorders and the different uh, problems in life in general. Um, as a result of those uh, kids that have been sexually abused or adults that have been sexually abused. And so the Lord was already grooming me (laughs) towards this. I just wasn't fully aware of it until the time came. And it's always funny how God works. His timing is right. It seems like it's way too long. (laughs) Sarah waited that 99 years and Mm, it didn't make sense. But so one of the things that I think you, you hit on that's really important is a lot of times the stereotype is, well, that prostitute chooses that lifestyle. Um, and I think that's a big misdiagnosis by the lay person or those of us that are kind of in the public. What, what are some of the things that you've kind of seen that's the truth 
in, in those situations. Well, I don't think anybody uh, as a child growing up says, I can't wait till I'm old enough to be uh, raped or uh, abused by men. Or even for a little boy, I can't wait till I'm old enough to be raped or abused or to become a perpetrator. We don't think that as children. But something in life changes and changes the way we look at the world around us and changes the way we, we react to the world around us and then causes us sometimes to respond out of our humanness. And that's not what God had intended for us. And so uh, I have learned over the years, instead of passing judgment, to be a good listener and ask, Lord, how do you see them? And then I have to put myself in those shoes because as a human, I want to pass judgment mm -hmm. and I'm real quick at it. <laughs> so not the way to do it. But um, Lord, how do you see them and who are they really? And so that's the way the Lord has broken my heart for this underserved population and has allowed me to love sometimes people that aren't acting very lovable. I mean, I think one of the things that um, as a father who's had a daughter that was sexually abused, um, it's one of those things that that's at the root, but there's so much action that my daughter, at least, portrayed to the outside world that we didn't know what the root was. So, I mean, in all of this, what what are some of the things that you saw in the the medical profession that a lot of these, especially the young girls that had gone through molestation or things that, oh, we don't know about that. What, what were some of the signs on that? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, once the sexual abuse, the first sexual abuse happens, it radically changes the way we think about ourselves and the world around us. And so we begin to respond differently. Sometimes uh, our human side wonders, is this my fault? What did I do wrong mm -hmm. to precipitate this? And then um, instead of just um, openly saying, oh, by the way, I was raped or I was sexually abused. We have a tendency to try to respond um, with the, whatever template we have, whatever tools we have to be able to handle the situation, which may come across as anger or drug or alcohol use or sexual acting out. So we were displaying these inappropriate or not necessarily acceptable mm -hmm. behaviors as uh, just a knee-jerk response to, I don't feel good. Something has happened to me and I don't feel good and I don't know how to deal with it. I would love it if people were much more open about explaining, um, talking about the sexual abuse, but I believe it's one in every 30 on college campuses that's reported, one in every 30 rapes that's reported because uh, they're so afraid of the outcome, what people will say. Will people look at me differently? Will they respond to me differently? Will somebody get in trouble? Will they say it's my fault? Will they say it was the way I was dressed? So society has uh, okayed sexual acting out as an okay behavior and shunned those who report it and put labels on things that probably shouldn't have labels. And I, mean, I think one of the other things that probably the general public misses is how many young women and young men have been abused in some way? I mean, it's, what do you know that statistic off the top of your head? Well, I know that a, a rape or a sexual assault happens every, I believe it's 90 seconds. And so that's less than two minutes a, a sexual abuse is happening and the, there's not that many being reported. Um, I know with a lot of the girls that we've worked with, they begin 
to go through the rape exam and do the rape kit, but they don't push forward with pressing charges because it becomes too complex. There's too many people ask too many questions. The forensic interview becomes uh, sometimes triggering to where they're just shutting down and then they back out. So there's a lot of uh, prosecutions that don't happen, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, pressing charges that don't follow through. And there's a lot of girls that just don't report in the first place. And for men, the boys that we've worked with, it's even harder because for a girl, it identifies them as there's something wrong with me and I have been violated. But as a guy, it violates who they are as a human being. Now, it's they consider it degrading as as a male, um, as as uh, am I no longer a man? Um, it's very difficult. So the boys that we've worked with have a much more difficult time and are much more likely to never report. Um, and then that sexual abuse continues. And we've seen a lot of family cycle sexual abuse. So mom is an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Dad is an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse. They get married to try to fix themselves and each other. And then they end up perping their kids. And we have a lot of those families where dad is now in prison. Mom is suddenly alone, a single mom with all these kids. She loved her husband he's devastated over what he's done with the kids. He's got a, all the kids are now porn stars. And so what Satan intended to, to disrupt and tear apart, we believe the Lord wants to put back together. And God loves the perpetrators too. And I know that that sounds strange. It's, well, it's hard. As it a father hard. of a daughter who, who was abused, it's you want, you want to strangle someone. Absolutely. So. But hurt people hurt people. Yes. And you've heard that phrase before. And they were taught this behavior. Either they were taught by somebody or it's something that happened to them. So they're acting out of their brokenness. And I'm not saying that's 100% across the board, but we have coined the term survivor offenders. And we have a lot of men now, grown men and grown women that are perpetrators, that were pimps, that were madams, that we're working with because the Lord does love them. They are the sons and the daughters of our Lord. And uh, they can have that life change, not on their own, but through Christ, they can have that life change. And that's what we believe. And so we do love the unlovable, but to God, they're all lovable. And uh, for me, a survivor of of childhood sexual abuse and sex trafficking, I know it's God that caused me to love these people. It is not my it is not my humanness. It is not it is not natural for me to love these people, but I do and I want that life change for them as much as the Lord gave me a life change. You've kind of gone from nursing to building path, which is a great ministry here in Arkansas that is really working um, you started out one direction. I love how God does this to all of us yes. that are kind of do this. We think we know how we need to go. And you've moved into another uh, direction. Tell us a little bit about um, what PATH is, is doing right now. Uh, well, to begin with, I know corporate America. So, so to switch from from corporate America, where where uh, where we have enough money to run our daily book of business, into running a nonprofit, it was quite a bit different. So it was very clunky. Um, a little bit difficult in the beginning on how do you, where do you get the money and how do I do this? It's crazy. Um, but uh, I started out with just a simple plan that the girls coming out of sexual abuse 
uh, law enforcement said that within 24 hours of arrest or rescue, if they don't have a safe place to go, they're back in the hands of their captor. And so that was my original intent, but the Lord showed me that there's so many more out there than just those few that need residential care. And so we've morphed into this, um, this full day program, which is, um, and it is more of a resource center. So uh, kids that are sexually abused that can't go to school because of the night terrors and they can't, they're, so they're up all night, they can't sleep during, uh, they can't stay awake during the day and they're trying to go to school and everything everybody says they're taking personally. So we take them into the day center, they sleep for a few hours. We have teachers and counselors there that help them stay up on their schoolwork. Um, we provide transportation, we help get safe housing. So we just do a lot of different things and a lot of community education parents how do you keep your kids safe kids how do you stay safe the dangers of social media it just because it's on the internet doesn't make it real don't take the modeling job you know so uh there's a lot of different uh educational components that we do as well because we're trying to prevent it on the front end so that we won't have to try to put it all back together on the back end going kind of back around to where you talked about um hurt people hurt people and then our desire we look at these perpetrators as something way worse just because we rate we rate sins so to speak how in the world do you kind of stay focused in day in day out you are hearing seeing experiencing some of the most horrific um experiences a person can go through i mean how how do you even reconcile that the only way that I can describe how to make it through day to day when the stories that we hear are so um, earth shattering, I guess, for the lack of a better word. Every time I hear a story, I think that's the worst one I've ever heard. And then we turn around and hear another worse story. And um, um, I think it's just the way that the Lord takes care of us. Uh, there are times that um, that we pull together in the middle of a day and just pray and just come together and pray and and seek the Lord for um, uh, wisdom on how to talk to these people, what to do with the situation, and um, just the strength and the ability to go on. We can't in our humanness do it. Honestly, we can't because there's just too much brokenness and too many hard stories. But the Lord gives us the tools we need to be able to make it through every day. Without God, we would not do this. We would not make it. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of hit on the the scary side of it, but I think, I mean, you're a testament to the coming through on the other side of it. Um, I've got a daughter who her story gives me hope in so much of this. Do you mind sharing some of the stories of, of some of uh, the young people that have kind of walked through this and, and what their life kind of looks like through the different stages? Sure. Um Oh my goodness, there's so many different stories, but I think the one of the worst ones or the hardest ones for us that we had was a girl that was raised um, um, in a home of witchcraft, pornography, and sex rituals. And so her mom was a practicing witch, and so she learned witchcraft early on, and uh, parents were swingers. There was a lot of, of uh, filming and sexual acting out, and like I said, sex rituals. And her mom would tell her, you're a good little witch, you're a good little witch. And um, mom uh, had the ultimate sacrifice to her gods when the little girl was 13, uh, mom committed suicide as a sacrifice to the gods. And 
left this little girl by herself with stepdad who ran off and left her. She was able to reconnect with her biological dad who she had never known. And she said that was one of the most wonderful things because uh, initially she said, I finally saw who I looked like. I, I looked like him. I talked like him. I acted like him. And she was immediately reconnected with this man she'd never known and felt so strong in that relationship. And he encouraged her. He was a truck driver. So he said, why don't you just drop out of school? We'll do school in the truck. You can just hang out with me, go on the road. Um, he started letting her smoke and then drink. She got drunk. He raped her and began selling her. And so through the trucking industry, now she is being sold by her biological dad, has no mom, has no other family and has nowhere to go. And um, was so dark and so broken when she first came to us. And it was a, she ended up after a suicide attempt in a psych hospital in uh, Mississippi that called us and asked us if we could bring her to Arkansas and take care of her. And um, uh, she left um, a couple of times and would say, I know you believe in that God of yours, but I've already practiced the moon God, sun God, star gods. What makes your God any different? And that's where the Lord brought it back around to allowing me to share my own experiences. And I said, I've already practiced all those gods too. And I know for a fact this God is different. She put it to the test, left a couple more times and finally came back and stayed and accepted Christ into her life and uh, stepped out of the darkness, got married, had a couple of kids and is doing really, really well. Um, it's nothing that we as humans could have done to have helped her, but her relationship with the Lord caused her to finally sit still and rest in him. And that's what did it for me because on the streets I was practicing witchcraft and using drugs and being sold in this life as a sex slave at the age of 14, 15, 16 years old. And so I knew that darkness. I know the dark world and we feel very unlovable, but uh, the Lord says, shows us how to accept love from him and show love. And we don't know how to do that without him. And so I think that was one of the hardest stories that we ever had because we just, we didn't know what else to do with her. She was just full of darkness and had never seen the light. So, And I think that's one of the things I had to learn early on is I can't fix anybody. Absolutely. Uh, we all the time really want to kind of think through oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do all <laughs> this. And I think a lot of times people come into the nonprofit world with that mindset. And then they all, all of a sudden realize, well, I did, did I make a difference today? Did anything change today? Mm, and um, I had to learn that this is the long game. It's taken this person 12 years to get in this thing. How in the world should I expect them to change in 30 days with me, let alone the fact that I really don't know what I'm doing half the time. And, and that that's good that now that I realize it, because I'm like, okay, it's God. It's not me anyway. Right. But so y'all are always looking for volunteers. Y'all are always looking. What What's an ideal volunteer for you guys? Who Who is, is this for, so to speak? Oh my goodness, it's anyone. Um, I never would have expected to do this. Um, <laughs> you know, I start IVs, <laughs> so, so I know how to do that. So um, uh, if I think um, 
when we feel like this is where we're supposed to be, we need to try it. If it's not, go, go someplace else. I've tried a myriad of things before I ended up where I am now. Um, but uh, anybody can volunteer um, with any, you know that with any of the, uh, our centers, but um, somebody who can teach a class, mentor a girl, uh, facilitate. We don't have to, you don't have to be a teacher. You can be somebody that wants to just sit down and help a girl and help her to learn to read or, or to get back on her feet or just to mentor her day to day. Uh, we have people that, um, that are tutors. We have people that teach jewelry making, take the girls hiking. We have an emergency room physician. He and his wife take the girls hiking and do things <laughs> on the weekends. We have a guy that he says, I only know how to boat. And he takes the girls out boating. <laughs> it's fine. They need to, they've never done stuff like that. And some of them are so broken. They need to get out and laugh. They right. need to get out and do something different. It's not all about being a therapist in recovery. It's about life skills and learning to love life and laugh and have fun too. So, so pretty much everything that somebody says, well, you don't need that. We need it. You teach music. We need it. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that's one of the things that people need to realize is it, it takes all types. It does. And it takes many types. Yeah. We always say that if you win the, want to win the battle of influence, you've got to spend the most time with a person. And, and in so much of, of what I've seen through, uh, whether you want to call it recovery or, or whatever process, it's about people just willing to spend time just to level in you and believe in you yes. because yes. so much of what their experience is, is the opposite of that. Someone that wants to use you, someone that wants to abuse you, someone, I mean, wh whatever it is. But but it's just so important, I think, for people to realize that, that are watching this to say, I can make a difference. Yes. And my ability might be limited but when it's compiled with so many other people lives change and they don't change instantly mm -hmm. don't give up but over time these beautiful stories come out of of a woman who uh, has literally been at the bottom and i mean uh, has tried to commit suicide and i mean as a parent who's had a daughter that, that, that tried to commit suicide you are no lower than you could ever possibly go because it's like this is a permanent thing um, to being married, to having children and a family. What Satan intended for death, God's turn. Yes. Um, just from the obedience of people. Mm. And so that's that's just exciting to me to see. Um, and we are so thankful that you chose to use what God intended for harm and just be obedient. Um, and what's the best way if someone's like, whether I need some deliverance from a past like this, or I want to get involved to, to kind of contact you guys? Well, um, we have um, a website where people can get in and go ahead and uh, apply to be a volunteer. They can call the office. So pathsaves.org is the website and the office is 501-993-1641. Um, and if it's not a good fit, nothing's carved in stone. There's a lot of people that start there and say, this is too hard for me, or I need to go to therapy a little bit longer, and that's okay too. Um, but venture out, give it a try. Um, it'll either work or it won't, and no, no harm done. And, and what I love about you guys, you're one of those organizations, you don't think that you're the only organization Oh, no. <laughs> um, you want to help people find their, their kind of God-ordained spot in, in ministry and in life to where they're going to grow and blossom. Yes. And so it's 
if it doesn't work out there, you're going to point them in a direction. Hey, have you thought about X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. Um, what What are some of your other needs? I know that you run across all kinds of crazy things that are that are going on, and a lot of these young people trying to get a fresh start are just trying to do the basics. I don't know how to cook. I don't even have any pans to cook in. Or what? What are some of those other needs that you've got out there that that people could help with? Well, uh, donations um, as far as tangible items. We typically, when we get a girl that's putting, we're getting her in her first apartment, we typically put that out on social media, on Facebook, what the needs are. And then we completely furnish and get a girl into her very first place. Um, They have to have been in the program for a while before we do that. Um, Financial needs are always big, as you well know. Um, Just, um, just once they we have a victim services and awareness training that happens four times a year and if a person goes to that training they'll find out this is my niche i want to be a driver i want to do the rescues um or this is my niche i just want to mentor someone or i don't want to get my hands dirty can i come in and do filing in the office we need that too so um there's just a variety of ways as it is with you whether they go to the Dorcas house or wherever they go there's a variety of needs because we're a nonprofit and so and you know it's all hands on deck um, so if they just contact us and get started if like I said if it doesn't work out we'll we'll do something else well I appreciate you taking Thank the you. time to hang out with us today and and just share a little bit about what path does and hopefully we'll see some people get involved that sounds and great chase after their god-given dreams so. Thank you Drew. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dream. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of Arkansans chasing their dreams.